Welcome to the Keyforge Premier League podcast, where we will focus on the people of the community that are contributing to the growth of our sport. Get inside perspectives on the reasons they play Keyforge, what they think about the community, and various other sidebars and hijinks. Be sure to go to the website, www.keyforgepremierleague.com, to find everything you need to know to get started on your path to the top. Thank you again for tuning into the podcast. And if you have any inputs or requests, please reach out to us at keyforgepremierleague at gmail.com. And we will do our best to represent the demand of the player base. The Keyforge Premier League is by the community for the community. And welcome to the Keyforge Premier League weekly podcast. Uh, this is Jupiter from Manlius, New York, and I am revisited by my good friend Draz. Say hello. Hey guys, how's it going? Yay! So we're here to talk about the best in board control. We're talking about board control this week. This is our second part of a three-part series that we're going to do together. Um, and where I always like to have other people's opinions and ideas as I do my own research, but like I like to bounce them off of people. And Draz has been gracious enough to say he'll come back for two more episodes at least, and maybe just become a regular. Who knows? Like um, I'm always a game for people to talk with, and he seems to enjoy this. So. Um, with that said, um, board control, Draz, I'm going to let you drive this. So what, you know, what does board control mean to you first off? Sure, sure. So, um, so obviously controlling the board (laughs) and, uh, um, you know, when I think about board control and I think about decks and I think about, well, how much board control do I need? I start to think about, well, board control to me is less about straight up winning the game and more about not losing the game uh, which i know are related right because it is a race game right it's a two-player game <laughs> but um board control can really help slow down your opponent when facing most decks right most types of decks do care about board in some fashion right whether they need to reap or they've got cool effects um and so having that board control lets you clear out your opponent's creatures and hopefully clear the way so that you can trigger your own victory condition. Oh, interesting definition there about board control and it not being aggressive, it being more defensive. I kind of agree with you most of it, but um, some of it I'm going to throw some curveballs with. So what we're going to do is we're going to play a game this this session, and what we're going to do is we're going to talk about different cards, and then we'll relate them to this definition of board control that you just gave me, okay? Um, so we're going to try to make this into a fun podcast, and we're just going to have a, a little bit of back-and-forth banter. And it's again, all right, so when I was looking up board control... Um, um, I was using SAS, of course, because SAS is the easy tool to look up for win percentages and all that stuff and just figuring out stuff uh, that I wanted to figure out. So I came up with different types of things. Okay, um, The first thing I came up with was basically like how much impact does a card have on the game, right? Like when it goes into board control. Because like obviously, they're, like when you think of the three best board control cards in the game, what, what do you think they are? Hmm. That's an interesting question. Um, Well, I guess at least one of them has to be a board clear, right? So um, a way to just wipe out everything on the board. So gateway to disc is probably the most versatile one there because it just kills everything. So 
so I'm gonna I'm gonna say gateway to dis is one of them. Okay, and and while you think of your other two, I'm gonna bring up, I'm gonna pose you another question to make you really blow your brain up. But mm, is mm. is gateway to dis better than key to dis? Um, <laughs> I'm gonna say most of the time no. Good answer. Uh, but it's common, and and therefore you're much more likely. To, to to get it mm-hmm. so 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 yeah it's a, <laughs> it's, it's more abundant it's more abundant right it's more abundant and uh yeah whereas you can sit your your key to this out and wait for the right moment you either got to archive or hold in your hand or just discard if, the, if it's not opportune for gateway to disk okay and so then and then the third part of this key to disk slash gateway to disk discussion is where does unlocked gateway fall in low <laughs> uh in the ranking it's it's way lower than a lot of the other ones in my mind i agree because um, it ends your turn. much yeah exactly right the beauty of gateway is you can then repopulate the board with your own creatures the, uh, maybe what's, even what's better the, rise the, or something so what's the downside of gateway i mean it's got three chains mm-hmm. um and it will unless you've got a lot of warding or, or something fancy it will kill your guys too Exactly. So you have to know your deck and whether that's okay or not. And for the people wondering why we both say the key to this is better than gateway to this is because key to this is omni. So like you can use it any turn that you want it. So you don't even have to be in this to use it. And the only real bad thing about key to this, the only downside to key to this is that you have to get it on the board and stick it for a turn. Right. So yep. like, um, after that it's just golden it's peachy you're ready to go and like you're in a position where your opponent you're ta- you're taunting your opponent like you're basically going go ahead play overplay the board like i dare you <laughs> like so i think that's it so that bought you a little bit of time for your second uh favorite card for board mm, control so. Mm. oh so so i should have been thinking um <laughs> let's go with uh you know let's go with um quintrino flux okay i like that one quite a bit Right, so that says, "Hey, pick one of your creatures, pick one of your opponent's creatures, and kill all the creatures that have power equivalent to, to one of those creatures." Um, and uh, that can be a really nice way to figure out how to kill most of your opponent's creatures and only a few of your creatures, hmm. and, which is um, at times can be way better th- than a gateway and no chains. That's that's fair. Um, Katrina Flux didn't even make my list, believe it or not. Mm. Only because <laughs> only because um, like I was looking for certain things and it wasn't it didn't qualify into the parameters that I was looking for because I was looking for a minimum of two or more SAS like value, and then like mm. maximums of you know the, which ones had the highest maximum ceiling. Mm. So mm-hmm. like, but Katrina Flux I think is a damn is a really good card. Um, and when I'm thinking of stuff like um. Uh, as this discussion evolved, you'll see like where I was with Star Alliance. I think Star Alliance has better board control cards. So, but um, I'll, I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you pick your third one, and then we'll move forward in the full discussion. <laughs> I feel like I should get out of board clears um, and and pick something else. Um, you mean there's there's different types of board control? There is. There is. Uh, <laughs> right. So you, you can bounce cards to hand. Right. You can uh, target individual cards um mm-hmm. spot removal mm-hmm. there's damage just damage cards right some of which are mm-hmm. better than others damage pips often not great 
uh, I guess like stun and exhaust is is board control also, but uh, do less, we have less powerful? Do we have static like abilities that contribute to board control? Yeah, I mean there's some. Um, mm -hmm. Some are better than others. Um, Kangafant, uh, which is <laughs> if you watch my last match, it's kind of it was, it was a mistake I made with Kangafant there. But uh, uh, yeah, if you reap when Kangafant's on the board, creature dies. Mm -hmm. That is an interesting one, right? Like um, that is a good one. And I lied. Contrino Flux did make my minimum. He was a fifty-two point two percent win rate. So ah, there you go. I, I thought it was on here. I just missed it when I was looking for it. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. so I, I lied. It's one of my actually. It's actually one of the top four. Um, like for that category, it's like right behind. Um, let's see, it's behind. Only nature's call and tetri. I can't say the stupid word. Tetriate. Tertiate. Tertiate. Yes, tertiate. Maybe that's yes, my guess. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. It's tertiate. But uh, it's one of those like I'm looking at it and phonetically I'm going, it doesn't sound like this. I know it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so like yeah, so it was interesting because Savage Clash was right behind Quintrino Flux. So, but uh, that's four cards I just named. You can't name. So you still owe me a third one. I all right, all right, all right. So I gotta scratch all those. How about um. Oh, now I'm just thinking. How about like uh, something new? How about like uh, implosion? Mm. Uh, I don't know how high that is on the list, but it's kind of fun, right? Because you just straight up kill one of your opponent's creatures and blow up one of yours as well. Mm -hmm. But uh, there's a lot of good destroyed effects and dis in mass mutation, mm -hmm. so um, it's actually a very so, useful one. So it was it was no surprise to me that dis has the most board control mm -hmm. and the most disruption mm -hmm. and stuff because um, part of what i think in board control like a lot of people come to lack a thing like with your definition it's fine like i think that is the, the you know pretty good like solid definition but when i think of board control right we were talking about types right and you named like it instantly went to, like i i would instantly go to gateway to disc too i think that's like the number mm -hmm. one the number one thing that would pop in anybody's brain is gateway to disc because it because of the arise combo that goes with it and there's just been lots of, of value to it and stuff but there are other types of board control that go into the game as well that sometimes people don't necessarily think of like you have cards like champions challenge you have maleficorn like uh which is like you, you said like targeting damage like you hit all these because zap is actually super super strong mm. because if they're if you're if basically you're playing mass mutations and your opponent is not because is a no like no chains gateway right like it's 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 amazing so um a lot of people don't put enough value on kerzap i think uh bouncing death quirk is still a real thing like um but again that is a value on bouncing death quirk is one for one so it's maybe not the best savage class has turned out to be way better than i ever expected it to be um agreed with that one yeah and then like some of the surprise cards that i've, I've like uh i come across are for these kind of things too are like not these damage based things or these like removal based things that are basically static effects that just affect the game right like nature's call is like always been one of my favorite cards right and I, that is definitely a board control card but it's kind of different because it's kind of like the judo of board control where it's like basically throwing a, a problem or throwing something off the board to basically be reset and thrown again right so like so versatile yeah, yeah it, it's like a versatile tool right it's not necessarily that board control that you want but then you also look in board control like you look at like things like ember imps right like those cards they come into play and all they do is they go hey you can only play two cards or you have to deal with me right but they basically you're dictating to your opponent right so board control comes in a lot of different flavors right like uh to me like i think that yeah. uh, like things like ember now, imps, yeah, is Ember Imp board control or is it disruption? 
I think based this, on... I, I think disruption and, and board control are hand in hand. So I think a lot related of related for sure. Yeah, I think a lot of the things that that, that people don't take in, take to granted when they think of board control is the fact that when I'm manipul doing manipulation things that make my opponent have to work around things I give them, like mm -hmm. that's that's board control to me, right? Like um, it's the same as a restrictor guntus, right? Like that is extreme disruption and stuff, but it's not necessarily it, it, it's not board control in the sense like of a gateway to Dece, but it's board control in the sense of going, I'm dictating to you what you can and cannot do, right? And in Keyforge, I think that's something that some people, like maybe they don't think about initially or they don't put into you know into the, the thought process and when they're looking at what they want in a deck. But I think that those things are very valuable. Um, that's re the reason why cards like Pain Mail are extremely good. Like, um, and a lot of people don't think about them, but Pain Mail is absolutely fantastic. Win rates on that card are 54% or better, um, yeah. which like because it's not so much that the card itself is busted, but it's bu it's it's really good because like if I put a pain mail on you and you're playing Dece in a mirror match, like that's huge because that means yeah. that you're killing one of your own things just to call a house, right? And then the value comes back because it goes into my archive and I get to do it again, like um, that's pretty gross, like. Yeah, and a lot of people run discs, so so mm -hmm. you're it's one you're of the top two somewhat houses. likely to make that happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, this is definitely one of the top two houses. So like that's why Pain Mail has its house there. But in in my thought process, though, like I think the most underappreciated and underthought about thing for board control is artifact control because that does fall into board control for me as well and I okay think, and okay I, and I didn't I, even think about that and we I, were uh yeah yeah and so like i think that uh artifact control is is highly important um especially since mass mutations come out because you have auto encoders you have scale essence scale you have um auto vax you have you still have library of the dams floating around you still have like just like I know there's a ton more. Like you have, yeah, you have a lot of a lot of important stuff. You're seeing Quixel Stones, which are another form of board control. Fangtooth Caverns, another form of board control, right? Mm -hmm. All these are artifacts. So artifact control now is super important. So when I'm picking my power, like when I'm picking the things that are powerful in board control, I want something that's going to give me a little bit of everything. So with these guidelines, how what card do you think would be, in your opinion, the best board control card? Oh, if we if we're changing using your definition, okay. Mm -hmm. So so well, I'll tell you. I don't know if the best per se, mm -hmm. but um, one thing that did just come to mind as you were talking about artifact control is harvest time is great because mm -hmm. it's so flexible, right? You can use it against the board. You can use it against artifacts. You can in in odd situations, you can even use it as a burst for yourself yep. if you don't care about a bunch of stuff on the mm -hmm. board. So super flexible um yeah, best i don't know you mentioned kurzap i think like two years from now we're all going to be like oh my gosh that card's amazing because nobody's playing mutants <laughs> um but but maybe right now less so um so pretty amazing yeah that is good the it's highest good for the, sure. high, the highest win rate in the game right now is mark of d's well, not the mm. highest, but the highest of what I've looked at. So let me say that. So that all right, so 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 that's where I don't know that I would necessarily say, "Yep, that's board control." Control uh, the weakest in board control. 
I, I don't see. Maybe I'm differentiating in my mind because because so so controlling somebody is, is there, turn. Let's say okay. Is definitely. Okay, hold on. Let me give right, you some, let me give you the yeah, scenario. Yeah, yeah. The scenario mm -hmm. probably helps the thought, right? So here you are, and you set up your turn, right? You're playing a deck that basically you're going. You know what? I'm going to set up to do something brilliant with my house. Like Star Alliance, good example. Star Alliance, right? So I'm like, oh, cool, look, I'm going to save my game now because I'm going to play Fran, get an Ammer, get him off of check, you know, blah, 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 do what I do, 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 right? So you're set. Now you have a Fran engine on board with like two, maybe two or three Frans, like maybe a Kirby, whatever, and like you're ready to go. You can protect me from getting to my third key. And then in my turn, I go, you know, dis whatever spells like or plays reaps etc get myself back on check and stuff like that and then i just look at your and then i just think about your playlist and what you've played look at your lot look at your discard pile and i go control the weak or mark of dece into this house i mean that is undeniable that that's really strong right mm -hmm. but when i think about did i control your strong, board seat? well but is it strong because it's because of you controlling the board Right. So, so I think in certain situations, maybe yes, because you're saying, "Hey, you have to, you know, play with a house that um, you don't have a lot on board, or, or you know, that that sort of thing." But, but just as easily, you're, the big move can be, um, "Hey, I know you have Brig, and I'm just not going to let you play Brig because that would kill me right now." Or, "I know you've got." Um, you know, I've I just bursted for a bunch of ember, and I don't want you playing too much to protect, which has nothing to do with the board, but still like very very strong. So, I guess, so when I think about board control, I don't know that I'd say like, yep, that's board control. I get, I get, I guess that like that's part of like the way when I when I'm thinking board control, right? Because I only like I told you, I only think of three things. I think of amber, I think of board control, and I think of speed, right? Like I think of like efficiency. Um, efficiency mm -hmm. is all, obviously all to do with how you draw your deck, right? Like amber is all to do with how you create and in, in basically you know manipulate amber. So everything else kind of falls into my definition of board control, right? Like I, I just put it in, into one big house because I fully believe that things like control the weak, scrambler storm, stealth mode, um, things that basically stop my opponent from playing what they want to play are definitely versions of board control because they're not being able, they're not being able to carry out what they want to do, whether they're being defensive or they're being aggressive, like whether they want to push Amber, whether they want to like capture Amber or steal Amber, like, you are taking away like the their turn. I guess maybe board control isn't a best the best definition for my second thing. Maybe I should re re revise it to turn control, right? Like like basically like playing on my opponent's side of the board. This is what like when I think of board control, this is what I kind of think of like because I'm basically doing things that are going to definitely in infringe or impede on your side of the board, and th those are the things I think that have the most value to me. Um. So I, I kind of see where you're going with in, in my mindset, but like maybe like I defined my thing incorrectly because I think if yeah. I well, if you're limiting yourself to three categories, it gets hard, right? Mm -hmm. How do you bucket these things in just those three categories, right? Because mm -hmm. um, there are absolutely moments where control the weak, yeah, you're, you're totally messing with the board or market disc. Totally, it's it's you're, you're worried about what's on the board. You know, you don't want them. You know. Uh, I don't know, even Ivan odd clawed a bunch of times to take you off check, right? You know, they don't have something in hand. I don't know, you know, I'm making up these scenarios. But, oh, yeah, yeah. but um, you, you know, and then, yeah, my move is totally to, to, to force you into something where um, you, you can't stop me. But 
Um, but in terms of when I think about board control and I think about, you think about decks that don't have a lot of board control and you think about those runaway game states where you're like, okay, like I'm trying to do my thing and I'm trying to get to my win condition, but my opponent has, you know, eight creatures out, four of which are one house and they just call it reap and play one card and they're on check, right? Or whatever, right? And mm-hmm. and it's like, oh shoot, it doesn't, it almost doesn't matter at this point if they're, you know, a bunch of junky mutant cut purses or something, they're still reaping for a whole bunch and mm-hmm. they're about to win. So, so controlling the board there. So, so, important. so you're saying that me casting gateway to Deese would stop that, but me yeah. casting control of the week wouldn't stop that. I'm saying, I guess what I'm, what I'm saying and, and is that, it's a judo versus a hard kill. Right. Is it useful when you're trying to talk about, hey, what what's what's strong activities in this category to take something that is very that can be used in so many different ways, mm-hmm. right? Not just messing with the board, messing with your hand, messing with speed, right? You hey, I happen to know you just played this house and that you probably don't have very many cards of that house mm-hmm. out and you know, uh therefore um you really can't do much. You're going to be drawn one card next turn, mm-hmm. um, or you can't play your Amber Control. So, so I don't know. I mean, it's it's definitely strong, and you 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 know you use it. I guess just the way I think about it, don't think about it as board control as much. That's fair. Um, like uh, I'm just like saying, like if you don't think of it as board control, then like where would you categorize it? Well, so I guess I'm you know biased just by looking at decks of Keyforge so much and I see that disruption stat and I'm like, oh yeah, it sounds like you're disrupting things, like in general. Regard like whatever it was that your opponent wanted to do, mm-hmm. um, that's what you're slowing down, that's what you're messing with. You know, I don't know. If I had to come up with a categories on my own, I, I don't would I come up with the same way? I don't know. I don't know if I would, but mm-hmm. uh nah. definitely it makes sense for me. The disruption uh, scores on on, yeah. on decks of Keyforge are odd to me. Because like, they can be, because I don't understand like fully how they're incorporated. Because I have like you know, Inca is my my one of my best decks, and she has like a seventeen or fourteen something stupid high disruption score, and there's nothing else like in 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 my game pool that has anything close to it, and mm-hmm. um and her disc- and I don't know if that's because like it's it's a combination of things like that happen with Inca because Inca's just a weird deck. Like she doesn't look like a good deck to most people initially. And like when you play her, she's kind of hard to figure out, but once you figure her out, she, she runs really good. Um, but like, I mean, she started like when I first saw her, she was a 76 and she's like up to like 85 now. So like, she like people are starting to understand better values and stuff like that. And like I said, like it doesn't have the hard board control it has what I call like the judo board control, right? Like the, the stuff that is like, you know, it's like when you think of like what you're defining as board control, what is the common definition of uh, board control? And I have no qualms with that is like the hard kill, right? It's like the, the gateway to this, like, boom, you're, it's gone. I, I dealt with it. It's gone and stuff like that. But then there's the, like the, the, the soft kill, like the judo type type stuff where it's just like, I, that's where I kind of put those cards. Like I'm like, these aren't going to initially, these are going to buy me time, right? Like this is basically me buying myself time and basically pushing my agenda. And most of those cards, if you notice, they are basically, you stop doing what you're doing, I'm going to get an amber for making you do it, right? So like you get that kickback value like off a of Scrambler Storm or Stealth Mode or something like that for turning off something that they might want to do action-wise, right? Or like you basically get like amber back on like 
a play that is going to like a fangtooth cavern where you're going to just slowly start to pick off the smallest creatures on the board which you can normally control especially now in this like uh, dark amber vault another stupid artifact that is amazing but uh like <laughs> like in this dark amber vault era of mass mutations like you you're starting to see an uptick in the idea of fangtooth cavern being super good because the dark if you have like a, the the deck i just traded had a dark amber vault in untamed but it also had two mm. fang it also had two fangtooth caverns Mm-hmm. So, so like now, like your Fangtooth Caverns are almost like a static, like I'm killing one of your creatures every turn kind of thing. I know? like that. Yeah, I haven't encountered that yet. That's yeah. uh, that's that's nice. That's nice. Pawn Zhao, if anybody wants no. to see it. <laughs> I'm so, so I'm looking at Inca here, right? Eventually obtuse Inca, mm-hmm. and uh, there's an interesting card in here that maybe straddles the the two definitions we're pushing a little bit, right? So you have Life Ward. Yes, in the card's here. amazing. So Life Ward's interesting, right? Because Coming into this conversation, you would say, "Is that board control?" I would say, "No, no, no, no. That's 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 disruption because it doesn't affect what's already on the board." But, mm-hmm. but to your point, life ward is about stopping your opponent from forming a board. So, mm-hmm. it may, is that board control? Right. It's an interesting question. Right, and th- this is the mindset that I want to spark with people. Right, I'm not doing this to be contrarian to SAS. I'm not doing it to anything, but I'm trying to say that there's a lot more that goes on into the game, like with board control, than people usually give it credit. Like when they think of board control, they look for the fluxes, they look for the gateway DC. I do that too. Like, like that's the the very first thing I think of. But then there's a next level of board control and thought process that goes in when you're looking at decks and trying to identify what is a good deck and what is a bad deck, and it deals with how these soft controls deal with your hard controls and like how the game is going to be played like are you playing on your side of the board or are you playing on your opponent's side of the board um the best players in the best decks are always playing on their opponent's side of the board i'll I'll tell you that right now they're basically pushing their own amber while disrupting or doing something to stop their amber the other amber it's like um there's a there's a deck that i just got that uh is called young blood I don't remember the name. It's a weird name, but I just got it. And it's basically got a crazy, like, it's a Dish Logos Untamed deck. I'm going to pull it up so I can tell you the actual name of it. But um, this deck has, like, an insane Untamed suite. Like, absolutely insane. It has uh, Flaxia, Dust Pixie, Witch of the Eye. Um, All the good it, stuff. It, it, yeah, and then it has two Arises. Okay. And, and it has um like the choda nature's call okay it's called y-o-n-g-e dark like young dark the swindler agent um but like if you look at this deck like um it has the nature's call like it has the choda ducks pixie flaxia mermook like easy to see that stuff and then you see the arise you're like gross then you see the library access with two phase shift you're like wow this deck is super explosive and super good but man like what is it gonna how is it gonna deal with like you know like the the real board state right because i have two gateways but the two gateways are kind of contradictory to where i want to be for the most part they're kind of like bailouts for me when i do this because i don't have a ton of amber control right but what i do have is cooperative hunting and in this deck cooperative hunting is stupid good because i'm repopulating with all these creatures at once and then like 
cooperative hunting just picks off my opponent, right? So that's that spot damage and stuff. So when I look at this deck, I'm just like, man, board control-wise, it, it only reads as a 13, but that 13 versus, like, some of the other 13s I've seen, I'm just like, my 13 is a higher quality 13 of board control than others, right? Like, and that's the, the key. Like, yeah. the number, just because it says 13, like, I can I can compare this to the usual artifactor boss of Ever Valley, right? So my basically 13 in, in creature control here is Gateway to Death, Nature's Call, Positron Bolt, two cooperative huntings, two, there's two gateways of distance too. Um, a hand of Dis, a ancient bear goes down as creature control and it's asked. Hardly. And, 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 and quick. So the adventurer times two goes yeah, down. Hardly. Like hardly. hardly. Right. But then when I go over here and I look at my other deck, I was just, I just mentioned, right. It's like, I got a gleeful mayhem, a gray rider like times two, which counts for creature control, standardized testing, dynamic charge, implosion, dark minion, soul keeper, Gabos long arms, seeker of truth. So times two. So like, if I read those two lists off to you, which control do you like better? I think that it's hands hands down the double gateway, double cooperative hunting, like like you that just it sounds like a hundred percent better than the other which are the same SAS. They're both thirteen like um creature control, but like Gleeful Mayhem, yes, pretty yeah. good. I agree. I agree you've with... got more versatility probably in Young Dark though, right? Because you got the board clears, you've got the the cooperative hunting for spot removals, mm -hmm. positron bolt, right? Like you, nature's call. You got a lot more flexibility, right? And um, but, but what I'm trying to say is like with the SAS numbers, right? What people are mm -hmm. always looking mm -hmm. for these decks and they're trying to figure decks out. Here's a that's a 13 creature control SAS on SAS, and then there's a 13 creature control on this other deck called the Unusual Artificer. Artificer, boss of Ever Valley, right? I should have just sent you a link to my decks because I'm just, I usually just <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm trying to search them as we go, yeah. Here, so like if you if you actually I got it, I got it. I was gonna say if you actually like open my deck list, they're side by side. That's why I'm using them, and they're both gotcha, thirteen, gotcha. so that's why it stuck out to me. But you look at the you look at the thirteen creature control for the unusual artifactor boss of ever valley and you see like i said gleeful, gleeful mayhem two gray riders a standardized testing dynamic charge yeah. implosion dark minion soul keeper gabus long arms of, and two seekers of truth like do those feel equal to you for creature yeah, control? right and this is where like you've got so you've got things like standardized testing and whatnot right and and that's like a very situational card right like in some decks standardized testing is great mm -hmm. in other decks not as much, right? Like here, you so you don't have QMAC, right? Which is a great lure to for for a low mm -hmm. uh, to protect some of your other cards, right? So you're killing your gray riders, right? You're potentially killing your your Chronos, your Seekers of Truths. Mm -hmm. um, I guess killing your Relentless Creepers isn't bad, but but um, uh, you know you might be killing your Lady Larina, your your Champion Anifel. Mm -hmm. um, so so yeah, it's it's. I think you've got more situational stuff here, right? Versus versus the other deck, it's just so flexible. Mm -hmm. um, so so the thirteen's way way better. Right. Um, and, so, and so this is just an example for the people listening, right? I wanted to put this on the spot because it was here to put, but like this is a good example of how not all SAS stats are the same. You still have to be able to look at the lists and understand what they're doing, right? Because a lot of people, they just go by the SAS number and they think, hey, mm -hmm. you know, this is going to be perfect. And it's not because like that 13, I'm t I'll tell you right now that that 13 that on Young Dark is like a lot better than the 13 on my Artificer Boss of Ever Valley. Am I saying the decks are not both good? They're both good. Like they both do good things right but because every deck has like at 75 plus sass every deck has something good it does right but that 13 is crazy and like 
I guess what I'm saying is like if you go up just a little bit, like scroll up one from Young Dark, like there's the, there's my deck Bren the Underworld Diplomat, right? In creature control, I only have Fangtooth Cavern and, and Amphora Captura. Like it's a 2.6. But I'll tell you that that deck right there does a crazy amount of work on the board because everything is stealing because of the setup between Amphora Captura and the Scrivener, the Scrivener Fabians. So like that 2.6 is, is kind of deceiving too because you look at it and you go, oh, 2.6, that's not great. That's not going to be good. But it's because it's not a creature control deck for one, but the creature control deck, the creature control that it has with the Fangtooth Cavern is very effective for the most part. So I don't know. It's like, like yeah. I said. You've also got a lot of speed. Or, yes. or uh, not speed, excuse me, a lot of uh, ember generation in, in yeah. this deck, which, which is nice, right? So you can sort of compensate for not being able to do as much to your opponent. Yeah, I mean, it has, I a negative, where it has a negative it, two meta, but take it for a spin. Those Saurian eggs are legit bosses. Like my Saurian eggs. All right, is, I'll try it to. Uh, my, yeah. my, my, my Saurian eggs, like if you look look at the picture and tell me what you see on my Saurian eggs, they're absolutely disgusting. They're the two best Saurian eggs in all of the game. <laughs> I don't care. Okay. What you're all right. Did you nice, see Nice, nice. You do got, I mean, it's a ton of creatures, right? It's all creatures and then Amphora Captura, right? So you're likely to hit, much more likely than almost any other deck to actually hit a Saurian creature, which but, is interesting. Uh, I don't care about that. I, I Look at the actual Saurian eggs. Open the picture and tell me what you see on my Saurian eggs that go with, good with the Amphora Capture and the Scrivian Favor. This is the thing people just like, they, they totally oh, neglect. Like, you mean look at the artwork? What, what are you saying no, here? <laughs> like, like there's the, my picture, my, my verification picture that I have attached. Oh, to. you're, I'm sorry, dude. No, you're cool. You're cool. I just want you to uh, see this. In, 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 All right, what do we got here? Oh, look at this. Okay. All right. So, so I'll start from the left, right? So, so Saurian Egg, right, comes from a, well, it comes with a pip, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you've got an extra pip and then a capture, you know, for good measure. Um, but if that wasn't fun enough, We'll go to the next one, which has got its base Ember Pip. But if we add two more, so you got three and a draw for fun, that's uh, yeah, that's pretty bonkers right there. Yeah, so let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about how silly those guys are because they get recycled like on the regular. Because I they're going back into the deck to basically look for stuff like right, like they're going to pull out more bigger like Saurians and stuff like that. And then like you're just like, wow, that's pretty crazy, right? That's pretty nuts. But then also um, this deck. Let me make sure I'm not I'm I'm not confusing my decks because sometimes I do that. Okay, yeah. So this deck, like, basically it goes in, and then like I have the two Ghost Hawks and stuff, which basically enable all my other stuff. And basically, like, I'm always capturing. And at the end of games, it's or, not it's, or stealing. Yeah, right? you get the whole Scribner in here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I just steal everything. It's true. Uh huh. But, but then I have Keyfrog too, right? With their Fangtooth. So nice. like, you know, this this deck like on. Like on initial paper, you look at it, and you're just like 3.9 speed, 2.6 creature control, not going to do business. But on board, like when you get onto the board with it, it's really good. Like it's it's better than most of my 80s. Like it plays well, even though I don't know, I don't understand this meta thing still. Like this negative two meta, like it has. I don't know. Um, I mean, again, right? It's it's looking at the average overall. Like I I think it's kind of interesting, right? Because it, it's trying to get at things like. Hey, I'm sure it's good. I'm sure it's good. Yeah. Like Nathan does more statistics stats with stuff than any person I know, and Dexter Keyforge is a great starting point and stuff. But I just haven't figured out quite how to use this tool to be effective. And I get it yeah. because I got a minus two because it, of creature control, and it's absolutely true. I don't have any creature control, other than yeah. fight, other than fighting. Like like I you basically. Know, it, 
And I think your point is, right, that you always have to read the deck, right? And that's where you figure out what, hey, what's the trick with this deck? And that's what makes, that's part of what makes the game super interesting, right? Hey, maybe I don't care that the creature control is so low for this deck. Or maybe in another situation, the deck looks pretty juicy, and then you realize, hey, maybe it's not as strong as from a creature control perspective, and that's a big weakness, right? right. So so one deck I sort of picked out from from, from my set here is uh, Romilly metropolis friend so um uh... r-o-m-i-l-l-y metropolis friend and so it's a it's a dav deck right dark ember vault deck Mm -hmm. which you mentioned before it's got double lethologica so you can dig for it right it's got zenzi zenzenzik so you can draw for it and then it's got a whole bunch of mutants i don't know i didn't actually count them maybe a dozen um which romilly was it Romilly, Metropolis, friend. Okay, okay, I found it. There yeah. you go. So, so yeah, but you like here again. Here's another good example of like you look at mm-hmm. like your creature control. Like since we're talking mm-hmm. about board it's a control, nine, which doesn't sound terrible. It doesn't sound great. Doesn't sound terrible. But like the the, the quality of your creature control is actually really good because Book of Malification is amazing. Um, like and it's a recurring source, so that's that's pretty sweet. Especially like if like I guess it's not amazing if people well, are stealing from you. Right. But, exactly. But, but how how often Very are people situational. how often are people not stealing from you? That's the question. Uh, I mean, often enough, often mm-hmm. enough that you can't like you like there are definitely times where the it's great, but you can't count on that winning you the game, right? No. If you're going to a tournament or something, like yeah. it's 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 beneficial, mm-hmm. but otherwise it's it's not great. I love if you look at the other stuff. It's a lot of other situational things too. Yeah, right? I, there's I, no I, board clear. Well, you're, um, you're but you you're board clearing. Right? Also, like another thing that they don't take into account for your board clutter is like you have 22 creatures. So you're fighting nonstop and you have a Dark Amber Vault to boost your creatures to give you more damage to fight, right? Yep. So, so even though your board control here is low, like it's a 9, 22 creatures tells me you have plenty of board control because you're always playing creatures to the board and when you need to, you could fight with them. So what's interesting is, and, and not that I've played this a massive amount yet, but I, I've been messing around with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, the guy I, you know, I bought it cheap. The guy who... Uh, who sold it to me was like, "Hey, uh, how is it going? I wonder if I should have sold it or not." So, so I, you know, I gave him the lowdown, and really, the creature control I'm having problems with because even though you know speed thirteen, you know, it should be pretty fast with this dark amber vault. I have to fight so much to just keep the opponent's board under control that the games actually feel way more grindy than it should with so, a speed of 13. So are you using your oppositional researches to pace? Trying to. Yeah, um, I was going to say, cause in this deck, it looks like that's the key to your deck is to be reaping with your creatures in Logos and using your oppositional researches to keep them from reaping because your bot booked ins are going to be pure value, especially when they hit your, your steals and stuff from Shadows. And your um, even, uh, even Ivan and Odd Clod are basically two steal in-house, like action steals. So yeah, that's pretty... three if you get them working, right? So yeah, I guess yeah, two. if you go odd, yeah. even odd, yeah, yep. that that would be sweet. Like uh, yep. I wish the deck that I had, the deck that I I just got rid of Ponzao has four even Ivans, and I was like, man, if this was two and two, whoo, like that would be so hot. <laughs> but yep. this this deck is nice though. I like the way it looks. So it can definitely like it can it can definitely win, right? Mm-hmm. And and I've won a bunch, but like when I think about, hey, is this one of my best decks? I think the lack of a board clear is holding it back. Yeah. Right. If I had one good board clear, mm-hmm. I'd be like, okay, now I can deal with 
what my opponent's going to throw at me. But if I come up against like a huge Saurian board, Primus Ungus deck, or something like that, like I'm going to say, ooh, like I really got to get my stuff online fast enough to win. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, like I'm not going to stop it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like it's important to know that though. Like, and it's already that, mm -hmm. that you know it. That's good. Like for me, I don't think this is a DAV deck. Like people would tell you that this is a DAV deck, but this is not a DAV deck to me because the DAV is there and it's good and it helps like with your drawing engine and stuff like that and whatever. But like mm -hmm. to me, it's not really a DAV deck because the, the real DAV decks that I, I would consider top and elite are the ones that are running DAV in, in, in Untamed and you have Vault's Blessings and you have Vandangles and you have. Um, logos with uh, uh Torado, professor Torados, because when those things all start to interact like no matter how they get there because like that you can build these pieces together like when all those hit like it's game over like because you're gonna burst like so much of your deck and so much of your creatures that like your opponent is mm -hmm. going to be overwhelmed and you're just going to lose like and that's it is and if it has a key frog or some kind of weird key cheat too like that's like that's what you're looking for in these dav decks. So a lot of these dav decks right now are getting overpriced and like um, they don't have the tools that make it like just because there's a dark amber vault doesn't make it great. Like I, that's, that's, I guess my sales pitch right there. Um, and I know, and, but, but, but there, but can it be, is it the spike of the set? Yes. I think Derek, like, like the best dark amber vault, like, I don't know. I haven't looked it up, but maybe that'll be a topic for the future, but like the best dark amber vault, right. Is probably the best, in the set like like i think it's kind of like if you go back to coda it's like what do you what was the best coda you know deck in the set and it was all like before all the restrictions and stuff it was definitely like library access the penthe seed right like mm -hmm. like you mm -hmm. wanted to basically do that with time traveler and reverse time and like just go nuts right and just win on like one turn three keys game over but with the nurse and stuff now maybe a little bit harder to, to say but like I, I I still think that the, the the power in Coda lies in House Logos and the Library Access turns with like Reverse Times and uh, you know Time Travelers, but you also want the key cheats and the key outs. Like so, you want to be an Untamed, I would say, and you'd want the Disruption and Dece. So to me, I I think that's like one of the best uh, sets. But you could also change Untamed easily for Shadows in Coda and still have the right stuff, right? Like you can still get to the goal. So. Um, it depends on whether you like to control more or do you like to burst more, right? Like, and that's another question, I guess, for another yep. day. But yeah, uh, all play styles, all sorts of play styles, right? And the game supports so many play styles, which again makes it a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, like, um, back to the thing we so we sidebarred a little bit, but it was a good conversation, so I didn't want to stop. But uh, you know, back to the idea of like board control right so now we've had this longer talk and stuff and like uh, board control i guess is what we should say is really game control um i think that's like i've been thinking about like how i would want to re reword my topics right because eventually i'm mm -hmm. going to make powerpoints for people and i want to make a video for new people and maybe instead of saying board control we should just say like game state right controlling game state right because that's i think more encompassing of everything that I would consider in my second group, right? Like controlling game state. So then you have Amber controlling game state and then you have speed, mm -hmm. then you have like efficiency. We'll call it that because that's a good word. Um, and yeah, I think that's a better categorization for, for sort of like the definition you're pushing, right? Focusing on the word board there uh, before, right? It's kind of like a, a red herring. Yeah, yeah, it's a yeah. little bit of a distractor, right? Yeah, but so with all that said, 
um, lots of talk and stuff. We did talk a little bit about artifact control, so I'm going to just do a quick re a synopsis on what I think the best artifact control things are, and you tell me how you feel about this. Mm -hmm. for, artifact, for artifact control, um, actually, it put me into the house of what, you know, we were talking about, like, what is the best overall, like, we'll call it control game state card. Um, I... I've always knew, known of this power, but like I've never really expected it. Like I never usually used to think of it as number one, but it's pretty damn close. And that's Neutron Shark because it does mm. so much, right? Um, it's real good. It, it has a limitation in how it goes, but for the most part, Neutron Shark does work. Like it's like really good. So um, that's one of the like. And the thing about Neutron Shark is it kills multiple artifacts, so that's awesome. There's only two other things that really do that, and that's like uh, Tachyon Pulse. And EMP blast. Those are kind of like the ones that I, I thought of. There might be another one or two, but like those are the, the those are the three that I came up with that I was like, these are cool because they blow up multiple artifacts and stuff like that. Yeah. And they they clear the board right, all at once. And then for single target artifact control, you can't get better than Poltergeist and Reclaimed by Nature. I think those two are head and shoulders above everything else. But it, they do have a, a judo brethren. Like we keep talking about hard kill versus soft kill. Well, the soft kill here is Burrow and Snecklifter. Both amazing cards that do work against artifacts. So, I'll let that those, those, those that, that's my list of artifact control things that like when I see these in decks, I'm always happy. But uh, mm -hmm. is there anything that you can think of or you want to add to that? Like is that? Um, I mean, so definitely controlling, uh, you know, being able to take care of your opponent's artifacts has definitely become more and more important, and um, it's something where I didn't really pay attention to at all before right hey if it had something sweet if not oh well um <laughs> but now now it just feels like if you don't have it you're you're just asking for something bad to happen to you <laughs> right you're asking for an eaton's jar to come down and just totally screw up your game plan right you're asking for you know auto encoder dav uh you know uh, auto vac deck right <laughs> um and um there's uh, a, so, so there's a lot feels of like artifacts. You, yeah, yeah. It's starting to feel more and more like you, you need it, right? Well, I used to be scared of artifacts when it was just Nepenthe Seed, uh, Library of the Damned, Lash of Broken Dreams. Like back in Coda, like I still was always mm -hmm. preaching, never leave home without a board wipe, like a big board wipe, like a gateway to disc kind of board wipe, and never leave home without mm -hmm. artifact control. Always preach that, always. And now it mm -hmm. just seems like I was a prophet because now it's even more... <laughs> more now it's, like, now it's like even more <laughs> relevant to the game as far as that goes right well it'll probably come and go right like who knows the next set may have all junky artifacts and if that happens for a couple sets maybe people will you know pay less attention and it'll come back like but and that's we, where i think but when it can we, be kind of oh sorry but when we play at a competitive level is it better to spike things or is it better to be like as well prepared as possible and let your play skill take the deck to the next level? Yeah, I agree. Right. It is better to be prepared. You're, you're, you're absolutely right. Because, you know, as I was mentioning before with, with Romilly, how it, it has challenges because it doesn't have that board clear mm -hmm. to just deal with the runaway problem where you get behind on board. Um, yeah. You, if you don't have at least something in artifact control, it, um, it can be problematic, right? And, and even, you know, even coming in with something like a borrow, like borrow could definitely, can in some situations be even stronger, right? You can borrow that lash of broken dreams, right? But borrowing Eaton's jar doesn't really help you. That's, <laughs> so that's correct. Um, yeah. So so you, you also have to look at what type 
of of artifact control you're you're bringing in and think about okay well for the real popular artifacts that i might come up against what does that mean for my deck yeah if i if i had to rank them in order it would be probably neutron shark number one now like poltergeist was always my heart mm. my hard number one okay but uh, okay. but like ever since now it's like I think Neutron Shark is my number one for art. If like I'm strictly looking to break artifacts, I think Neutron Shark just gives me more versatility. Like it's the more jack of all trades card. But like I guess for pure like I, you can't get better than Reclaim by Nature and Poltergeist. Like and I'm not even sure which one's better because it's situational to what the artifact is that you're in what you're doing, right? Because if it's like a Lash of Broken Dreams, I think Poltergeist could probably still be better than Recl- Reclaimed by Nature. But like you're talking Auto Vacker like um auto encode or any of those cards like reclaimed by nature just seems like it has way more value because like a lot of the like fangtooth caverns and stuff like that like they have a static effect that like a poltergeist isn't going to really get extra value it's going to still kill it and give you an like you get your amber pit from poltergeist but yep. pur- purging it from the game and removing the threat completely and getting amber for it like more amber for it like seems way better most of the time than poltergeist at, the, at this point yeah. so i think i'd probably have to swing towards reclaimed by nature in most situations but yeah the, i'm the, i've been starting to to go that way too right the ability in those fast cycling decks to just get rid of whatever artifact they just want to bring back is is, is pretty strong it's pretty good yeah, so like that—that's that, kind of like my artifact control portion of what I, I came up with and was thinking about. And then, like when it comes to best in game state control, we're gonna call it now. Like, right? We've evolved. Um, <laughs> is like the cards that I had, I had listed basically like the special case cards, right? The uh, Fangtooth Cavern, Quixel Stone. Like those are two of the special case cards. Where it's like static effect that just absolutely like changes the game 100%. Kind of like uh, Order, whatever it is. I didn't put oh, it on. General Order 24. Yeah, yep, General yep, Order yep. 24. It's another disruptor, but it's not on the level of Quixel Stone and Fangtooth to me, right? Um, and I'm not saying they even have to be together. Just the two cards in, by themselves are in a vacuum are really really good. They do like mm-hmm, lots of mm-hmm. dirty things that make you mess up. But so if if you're a newer player and or an older player, you could you can comment on the on the on the video on the uh, on the uh, boards or whatever. Talk to me. Um, this discussion is like one I like to always have. But when I think of best in board control, the cards that I came away with being top top notch for what I were talking about as far as game game state control of game state, right? Um, were Mark of Days, Restrict Guntus, Control the Weak, Pain Mail, Nature's Call, Tetri that word tertiate tertiate yes thank you that's what he's here for english um and then oh great key, key, key to these <laughs> just don't ask me to spell <laughs> key to these gateway to these ember imp um and then the bouncing death quirk Krizap, stealth mode scrambler storm ethan's jar um and orbital bombardment it would be my my special like uh special case scenario for giving mars some love um, I think I've hit every other house, more or less. Oh, Sorian, I didn't hit. What would be the best board control in Sorian? Like, well, you said Tertiate, but... Um, oh, Tertiate is there. Yeah, that's, yeah, that is probably the best because it's very targeted and like um, you can get a lot of value off of it if you play it sure. at the right time. But yeah, um, That one and Unnatural Selection, those are nice, right? Because you mm-hmm. can pick your best cards to live mm-hmm. and your opponent's worst cards to live. Oh yeah, Savage, uh, which, which is nice. Savage Clash, Nature's Call, like those are great call cards for Untamed as well. Um, definitely top notch. Um, Ethan's Jar, you mentioned that the card is fantastic. Another uh, like control game state card that wasn't mentioned that is 
one of the best cards in the game, in my opinion, is lateral shift. Oh well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't actually own any lateral shift decks. Um, I did have problems against one the other day, but I've yet to yet to score one for myself. Mm. Lateral shift is arguably one of the best cards in the game. Like it's up there in, in the discussion. Pretty good. And I'm not mad at when people say it's the best card in the game, but like I still live by it being third best to Nature's Call and. Um, control of the week but mm-hmm. um it's a good choice those are all good but choices all, th- all three of them are like splitting hairs like <laughs> i'm not sad if i get a deck with all three of them i'll tell you that that would be sweet but there you go i don't think it can't it's gonna happen. be hard it can't happen but like <laughs> yeah you never know there could be a legacy i mean yeah, legacy right i <laughs> right. can't is a strong word but yeah, uh, yeah. that's not likely come on algorithm show me some love <laughs> no just kidding but um yeah so restrictor gunthus too is like uh a game changer kind of card like it's really up there as well so definitely if you're a newer player definitely. go look up those cards learn them learn them well um restricted gunthus kind of got nerfed into a tesmal which got like is not as good as restricted gunthus not even close but um i don't know like how they make a better evolution something between restricted gunthus and tesmal would be fair i guess they kind of did that with snag right like i think snag is right like I think that's the proper restrictor Gunthus card now. Snag's interesting, yeah, yeah. And there are decks that do fun things with Snag, where where you can really, um, it could really be strong. But uh, yeah, I, I certainly don't have any of those. Yeah. Um, I'm just saying, I'm just like for the general like public like the thought process of like what kind of cards are, are fun to look at and like what cards are at the top of board control. I mean, we didn't talk about like smaller things and more important things like Urchin. Right, because Urchin kind of falls into like Amber control, Wait, right? right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. like Fagin, Urchin, but they still Those have not board control. Yeah, they they still have like their own thing, but like um, Fagin, I think, is more board control than it is Amber control, but it has an Amber control result. So, but this is the nuances that happen in Keyforge, right? These are the discussions that you need to be having when you look at decks and you're trying to think of decks that you would like to keep or, or think that are good or, or not good, right? And um, I think that it's interesting because like. Some of the decks that I've absolutely fell in love with just have horrible stats in certain areas, but that's mm-hmm. it, but they tend to make up for them in other areas. Like in like uh, Inca is a very good example of it. If you guys want to see a like a scratch your head kind of deck, eventually obtuse Inca is that. And the only reason eventually obtuse Inca is amazing is because I have two control of the weeks and two nature's calls, and that gives me four cards that are what I consider the best cards in the game. It gives me my board clear with my gateway to Dece and my three fates and my life words. It gives me like disruption with my ember imp. It gives me the shaffles for amber control, even though that's the only amber control I really have. That and Shuler like in my deck. But everything <laughs> else, everything else is basically just tempo based, right? Like, and I'm and that's. Like, I had to learn, like, I'm playing a tempo game and I need to get to my win, right? Like, I need to keep my opponent behind. And so with this deck, I do have to live on the other side of the board. Like, I have to live in the state of perpetual game control, right? Um, And since we're going to call it game state control now. But um, so that's part two of the series. Um, do you have anything you wanted to add? Like, uh, I don't, I know I, I kind of drove the discussion because you weren't, I took notes and you didn't. So it was not, <laughs> it wasn't fair to you. So I, I should take notes next time is what you're saying. You, <laughs> hey, right, well, hey I, I, I would love for you to question me and, and nail me with stuff because I like thinking about the game. That's why I do there these things, right? Yeah. We're here. Yeah. We're here to provoke thought and to provoke discussion. Like, um, if you listen to my podcast and you're bored, probably 
should find a different podcast, I guess. But uh, maybe I should. Maybe I shouldn't say that. But, 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 but it's all just a discussion, right? There's so yeah. many different opinions on what's good, right? And and you know, for any other fun thing about KeyForge is for any quote unquote rule that we throw out there that you have to have this or you got to have that, right? Somebody's going to come and show you a deck where it's like, no, this breaks the rule. This mm-hmm. is the deck that's got like, you know. Uh, no board clear, and it's just got a ton of damage pips. But the way it comes together, it's super strong, and I can just win with it. And I, I, they're probably I, right. I will never say you have to have this. Like I will always say, mm-hmm. it is highly encouraged. To, and like, and I, I will say this, and I'll say this in my dying breath. It's highly encouraged you have a significant board wipe. It's highly encouraged that you have artifact control. Does that mean you need to have them? If you look at my deck list, my top one, two, three, four, five, six, eight, nine, ten. Out of my top ten, six of them have no amber control, <laughs> so, mm. or not amber control, but uh, artifact control. So, like, you know, does that mean it's a hard and fast rule? No, but it means that initially, if you're looking for something that's hyper competitive, you're probably going to want these things because in the end, you're going to be playing against class players. You're going to be like at the end of any major tournament and the local scene, you can get away with murder. Like, and, and I'm sure that <laughs> I'm sure that people do like, uh, I play some really fun decks on my local scene and could still win with them. Right. Because mm-hmm. like the level isn't the same. Right. But you go to a vault tour, you go to any kind of major event where you're paying uh, like a decent fee to get into it and play. And there's like a hundred plus people there or whatever. In the end, your top eight is going to have quality players. Like, you're not going to be playing against people that you can pull a fast one on. Like, when they look at your deck list, they're going to know what your deck list is doing, right? And uh, a good example of this is what we're seeing in the Keyforge Premier League, right? Like, where <laughs> for Adaptive, it's funny some of the deck choices that were made because it's like people, like, some people have brought, like, really, really good decks. And, like, um, I'm going to I'm gonna call you out, Mike uh, Mike Funny, like, one of my teammates from United Archon. He's playing X-Peters, like, almost every round. The deck is a 93 SAS, and it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And he pilots it, like, the best out of anybody I've seen, and he's very comfortable. Game one almost always goes to Mike because he knows what he's doing with the deck and, and all that. And then game two, his opponent gets to play that deck. And, like, they figure it out, and they can putz through it because it's just so good, right? But then in round three now, he has to basically try to win his deck back and maybe overpay in chains or, under or like, think that his opponent isn't paying enough in chains. And, like, that kind of deck is just hard because it's a straight control deck. Like, it gets to a point where it just locks the game down and it wins. Like, and you can't go, like, you're not going to beat it. But getting to that point is sometimes tricky. But... When you're talking about on a local scene, like playing with local players, yes, that's always true. Like you're going to feel like a god in adaptive or a god in any type of thing because the deck is going to just trounce people. But you come to a thing where you're taking like what I'm going to say are like um, 40 of the best players in the world, right? Like not the best players, but 40 of the best players, like 40 people that have qualified and done something to prove that they have the stamina to get through a longer tournament and basically win uh, at a high level all playing in the same group, you're not going to be able to pull these tricks off against them. Like, you're not going to be able to pull these casual decks out and be like, I'm going to win with this this one-trick pony. Because the first thing they're going to do is shut that trick down. That's right. And that, that's right. And and, yeah. and, and and that's the thing, I guess, with a lot of people. Like, if you want to play casually, you play casually. But, like, if you're going to come into the competitive realm and you're really looking to take that next step into the Vault Tour, into the world, and stuff like that, like, seeing, you have to be ready. And, like, and, like... I talk about Keyforge all the time. I'm in Keyforge all the time, looking and studying Keyforge all the time. 
do I think I'm ready? No, because I don't get enough card play. Like, I don't get to actually physically play in person. I play everything on TCO, and I do all my research online. So, like, going to a card tournament, like, going to Albany was, like, mind-blowing to me. Like, I did well. Like, I didn't do horrible, but I could easily see me making mistakes. Like, especially, like, when I got to the higher level. Like, when I ran into Jason Bargender, my day went downhill because he's a wonderful player. He plays at a very high level and he plays highly competitive decks and the deck I had probably was matched really well against his heart of the forest deck, but I had no clue what I was doing mm-hmm. in, in paper to figure it out. So like, I, I knew and my I think, deck was there. Yeah, so, and I think you, you mentioned something really important, right? Which is, is indirectly. And that is really about looking at your opponent's deck list and understanding like, how are they going to try to get you? Mm-hmm. Or, or how are they going to try to stop what you're doing, mm-hmm. right? And how are they going to try to win? And what can you do to disrupt that? Mm-hmm. I think, you know, when, you know, I've been to, I've, I've only been to two Vault Tours now, right? Um, mm-hmm. PAX, well, you're 50%. Philly, and Albany. 50%, there you go. <laughs> so, uh, uh, and, and, you know, a lot of the players in the early rounds you know, you'll hand them your Archon card. They'll look at it for all of ten seconds and, and toss it back. And and they're they're like, oh, you you don't have too much to protect. Okay, <laughs> like like that's that's sort of what you, you know the level of depth that they're looking at. But but I always take the full the full time or, or as close to it as as I as I think I need. And, and even if I look through and I think they get it, I'm like, no, you know what? Let me go back through it again because there there are times where you miss stuff that. Mm-hmm. don't seem super important at first but then you look at it and uh you're you notice like oh wait they've also got this secondary thing that they can do if i disrupt their primary action mm-hmm. they got the secondary thing they can do or or you know maybe the first time you notice uh you know they've got triple miasma so it's like okay they're just gonna try to slow me down and win but like okay the second time through so if I'm able to to hold them off through the triple miasma, like what's their next thing they're going to try to do to to prevent me from winning? Like that's the thing you got to break through to to finally win. Yep, and like uh, that that's exactly right. Like everything you said is spot on as far as like uh, what like I was getting at with that, but. Um, we are pushing an hour, so we're going to call this one for now. Um, I think me and Draz are going to have a lot more conversations in the future because I, I like talking with him is fun and, uh, I think he enjoys it too. So but, there you go. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. <laughs> but, uh, so like it's always fun to talk about the key forge, forging yeah. those keys. And, and, and hopefully like, uh, all, all levels of players are going to take something away from this. I know the top, top level players probably are bored, but either way, you know, like the key is... Well, like, we should probably, sit, if, we're, if we're speaking to some uh, some folks who aren't as, as experienced, we should actually probably state what the cards do when we when we talk about them. But, you know, maybe yeah, the future part, 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 part of that, too, is homework, right? Because like right now we're talking theory, and so we're into theory. But we will do more breakdowns on more like concise things. Um, one of the things that we I think in the future, near future, if Draz is coming back, I know he's coming back at least for efficiency, right? Like we're going to talk about go. that. I'll be there. He, he promised me that one. Um, but <laughs> going forward from that, though, um, some of the things that I've seen on Facebook, um, in the Facebook group, I've been kind of scouring for topics, is uh, people were asking about card combos and how card combos work and like like which ones they think were best and which ones were cool and um i'm going to give you guys a spoiler alert um 
cool combo that a lot of people are not talking about right now. Um, and maybe I'm over hyping it and stuff like that, but I really like seeing Barista Joya with the Nero Sor and Saurian house mm. because Barista Joya is going to make it so you can't reap. And then with the Nero Saurus, when you reap, they can't fight. So basically you lock down all their board state. Like they can't That's do any good board control right there. They can't. They can't do anything. And this being the board control uh, episode, that is one of the cooler things that I've I've come across. And I already have my deck that has it at a high level, so I'm pretty I'm pretty happy with it. But um, like uh, something to look out for, right? And these are the fun combos that you can find that maybe aren't aren't going to be always on the top tier, but when certain cards fall together, they just get that kind of momentum right and um there's a lot of things like that but i'm not going to get into all, all that because that's something for a future date and like i said we've already been talking for a bit um hopefully you guys enjoyed this um do you have anything you'd like to go out on drask or if not i'm going to close this <laughs> no i think uh, this has been fun so uh thanks everyone and uh see you next time all right this is jupiter from manlius new york saying good night i got to go snuggle with harlan <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for tuning into the podcast. And if you'd like to be part of the conversation, reach out to us at KeyForgePremierLeague at gmail.com and join the show. Without you, we couldn't be us. Check out www.KeyForgePremierLeague.com for links to all our content, including learn to play videos and critique on gameplays. No matter what your level is, you are always welcome. Be a part of it. The KeyForge Premier League. Get there.